This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hey, what's up, traders? Welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. I am uh, Jack the Knife Pelzer, joined by Dan. Do you have a nickname? <laughs> I was not ready for that one. I don't have a nickname going today. I'm just Dan Hodgman. We'll stick to that. Okay. Well, sometimes if you put people on the spot, something genius comes out. And I figure, you know, JD has the dancing bear. We could, you know, make you something. I think we made uh, the dancing bear for him. He was not prepared for that one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, today, beyond making up nicknames, we have a great interview coming up. We uh, interviewed Casey Stubbs from Trading Strategy Guides. He's the uh, founder over there. Uh, Super interesting guy. Uh, Another military man like you, Dan. Yeah, it's always fun getting to sit down with another veteran. And um, He's got a cool story about how he got into the whole thing and uh, trading, that is. And I'm actually, I really enjoyed this conversation because he's got something coming out that I think is necessary, you know, this idea of a trading university, an actual school where you go and you get certified in trade. Like, I love that concept. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things you can learn from trading, even if uh, you don't want to trade professionally. You know, it's one of those things we teach all sorts of things in school. I think uh, having an understanding of how markets work would do people a lot of good in the long run, at least. I agree. I feel like in the last few months, I've heard from my friends that, even people I haven't talked to in a long time, they're calling me and going, all right, what do I do? I have, you know, I got five grants sitting here. What can I do with it to invest? And, you know, I think if we got educated that a little bit more, it might make that conversation easier. Yeah. I mean, I worked outside the trading industry for a few years for a publisher, and it was just unfortunate how little everyone knew about, you know, putting money in their 401k or whatever else like that. And it's that's stuff we should really be teaching in school. And maybe that's more personal finance than trading, but they're both <laughs> good to know. Right. They, they tie in together. Yeah, they should. We shouldn't be teaching people how to trade their 401k. That's I don't want to clean up after that mess. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, we had kind of a lengthier conversation. So uh, might as well just get to this interview, Dan. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, we'll catch you after the break. In the meantime, enjoy this interview with Casey Stubbs. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, kick it off here. We're joined today in the uh, virtual dojo by Casey Stubbs, the founder of Trading Strategy Guides. Guides. See, I said guides instead of guides. Trading Strategy Guides. Casey, welcome. Thanks for having me on the show, Jack. Yeah. Um, you guys were just talking before the break. You both have a little bit of uh, military service in the background. Yeah, I was in the Army for nine and a half years. Went from 96 to 2005. I loved it. I got to tell you, I give you credit. I made it four and a half years. And I was like, all right, my, my contract's up. I'm out. I, I can't do another another enlistment here. It's too much. Well, I actually had the very fun experience of something called involuntary stop loss which is where they <laughs> basically force you to continue on past your contract. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that'll happen. Um, they don't that happen to me. That's in the fine print. They don't actually tell you about that when you sign the contract. Yeah, let that be a lesson for everyone out here, whether it's a uh, futures contract or an army contract. Read it closely because uh, <laughs> the devil's in the details always. So, uh, Casey... Did you, uh, were you interested, how'd you get interested in markets and trading and stuff like that? Was this something that you found after you were in the army or something you've just been looking to do your whole life? 
Well, I'm pretty fortunate and had a pretty cool experience when I was in high school. I was always a, a computer nerd because my Aunt Mary would bring home computer parts and show us how to put computers together when I was really young, like in the 80s, because uh, she worked for a computer company called Intel. Mm. And um, Small company. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It's been a good, good run, but uh, I loved it. I was just such a computer nerd, and I didn't realize this, but my dad was investing and doing some trading in stocks. And in the early '90s, it went online for the very first time, and we were getting stock prices on the computer. But my dad didn't have any idea how to even turn a computer on. He's like one of those guys that like totally computer illiterate, so he needed me to help him get set up. And while I was helping him set up all the stock stuff, I was like, oh, this stock thing is pretty cool. So from there, I actually started trading and my dad let me take some trades on his account and things like that. And that's what got me started. And as soon as I got in the army, the very first thing when I got my own paycheck was I started investing in stocks. It's very cool. Uh, people who might be younger listening, uh, being c computer literate was much more acceptable in the 90s. I recall uh, growing up in the 90s, like the mid 90s, my mom uh, computers were widely available by then, but she went out and bought me an electric typewriter to do my school stuff. So um, I was a late adapter as well, forced. Um, needless to say, she was not investing in Intel, but that's super cool. So you obviously got to see there was a huge run up in tech stocks and everything else in the 90s. Uh, were you around when it uh, bust wide open in 99? Uh, I was. Yeah, I was actually investing at that time. Uh, I was still in the military and I had was building up a lot of tech stocks. And um, I had a very cool experience um, where I was getting I when I said I was in the army for nine and a half years, I actually had a short break and then I went back. But while I was taking a short break, uh, I got out and I wanted to start my own carpet cleaning business uh, because I just something I wanted to do. So I sold all my stocks right before the crash. And uh, I thought I was just the most genius investor ever because I sold them all and I had a chunk of money and I invested it all in my carpet cleaning business. Uh, the bad news was a couple of years later, I just totally was the worst carpet cleaner in the world and totally crashed the business. <laughs> Damn, I was going to say, I thought you saw the future. It's not computer. The future is carpet. Yeah. And, uh, oh, man. Hey, so everybody needs clean carpets. I mean, I imagine it's a you know good business. Apparently, I imagined wrong. <laughs> so, well, it, it's a good business. I just was not mature enough to handle it. I was too busy having fun, and uh, I wanted to make money and have fun at the same time, which you can do, but not at the maturity level that I was operating at. Cool. So uh, then you felt the siren song of the markets coming back in. Yeah, and I just kept getting back in, and uh, you know, once that crash happened, I found a lot of good deals and just kept investing. So I've been investing ever since. So just to get a little bit of background, because we haven't met before, um, you trade a lot of stocks. Are there any other asset classes that you're trading now, or have you stuck mostly to stocks? I traditionally trade stocks uh, with options, some option strategies, not too heavy on options, uh, and I also do some currency trading as well. Very cool. Yeah, we have our traders in our program are trading uh, mostly futures and currency in our two properties. But some people out there may not know a whole lot about, say, stock trading. So 
how is the uh, were you using leverage and stuff like that when you're trading stocks, or were you just trading stocks like an investment portfolio? Uh, I don't use a lot of leverage, but I don't trade it the traditionally way, like buy and hold. I just do research. I run growth stocks, so I'm looking for year-over-year growth, companies that are aggressively growing over 20%. Uh, I build that up into a watch list, and then I use chart patterns and breakout signals to find those trades. I catch them, try to ride the trend, and then do it all over again. With everything we have going on in the world right now, how much has that shifted, adjusted, changed, and been tweaked over the last three and a half, four months? Well, you you know, uh, when we had the first crash, it actually closed, cleared out all my trades because a lot of them were already up because the way I like to do it is they were trending. And then when they start to go down, they cross below uh, the 20, 30 period moving average. I get out. So I, it cleared me out for a while and I didn't get back in until it started to come back up. So it really didn't hurt me. It just kept me in, uh, flat for a while. Um, uh, but, but since the rebound has occurred, uh, this last couple of months have, has been pretty phenomenal. It's been amazing. Sure. It's uh, definitely so- uh, stocks have become sort of sexy again. Whereas, you know, for years I had really traded nothing besides, um, futures and some options and ETFs, but then with the crash, and so much uncertainty involving a lot of the companies, it became in vogue to be uh, picking individual stocks again. And especially with the rise of all, you know, the Robinhood traders, there's a ton of uh, retail people entering the market who are getting interested in stocks for the first time. Yeah, we could talk about the big debate. All the uh, all the old time traders are mad at the young new traders that are manipulating prices because of Robinhood. Uh, I personally don't buy into it, but it makes good headlines. <laughs> I, I I would sit there and agree with you. I think Robinhood's great introduction to get into this, but how much are they those retail young traders really buying and selling within the app? I don't think people are doing a thousand, two thousand contracts in a day. Yeah, you know, you see some of these big, big, big stocks are doing a couple million. One of my big stocks that I'm in right now, a company called TXG. It's doing well over a million contracts traded a day. Yeah, no I want to throw out some uh, statistics here because we can get into that. I'm glad you fell on that side of the b- debate, Casey, because it's going to be awkward as a guest. <laughs> well, hey, I don't mind Good. going head to head. Let's find something <laughs> okay. to disagree we'll, about. We'll find something we disagree on. But as we discuss this first, I think I'm most interested in why this is the angle that is being taken. Maybe because it's an interesting story for the media and stuff. But if you look at the volume on this move and say in options or the stock, you know, the the retail traders are accounting for a minuscule percent of that. It's, it's maybe, I don't know, less than 5%, I think. So it's so weird to me that there's been, and you see it all the time. If you, if you're reading zero hedge or anything else, they're talking about, Oh, the Robin hood traders are the ones pushing. It's absolutely not. (laughs) No, not a chance in hell. No. The, the Robin hood traders are going to be the ones that are going to get their hats handed to them when it does change direction but uh, that's about it that's coming from those guys absolutely without a doubt i mean i think it is a good thing overall that uh people are becoming more and more financial financially literate i think it's good that people know about um, investments and stocks and the basic fundamentals I just hope that that whole generation does not get wiped out. So we saw a similar thing happen um, with the tech bubble we talked about earlier in 2000, where 
there was huge retail involvement going up and up and up. And then when it blew out, it kind of, well, a lot of people got their hat handed to them, as you say. Right. And that's, you know, that's what's going to happen in the markets. And you got to think in the 90s, late 90s, that was really exciting because so many traders were involved in trading for the very first time because it was available online. It was pretty easy. I actually remember I still was calling in some of my trades because I was in the military. I was overseas, so I didn't have access to computers all the time. But when you introduce all these new people, that's a really good thing for the markets, but it's also a dangerous thing for the new traders. But I love educating young people. I think it's fantastic. I know when I learned when I was 17, it was really exciting. And the fact is most people don't get access to the markets or stocks at all. Like they don't really even mention it in school. Mm -hmm. And so kids are going through and they have no idea that this even exists. So anytime you get a chance to educate young people, I think it's really cool. We do a terrible job in this country, I think, of educating people around something that's very important to everyone's life. You know, I, I was a prop shop trader for seven years. And then when I'm looking to get a mortgage or something like that, it's like, I was struggling to figure out exactly what was going on there. And I can't imagine something that a lot of people are going to have to do going at that with no sort of background. Absolutely. I remember the only thing I got taught in grade school that I used to this day was fifth grade. Um, we went into the newspaper, you picked a couple different stocks and you checked on them each week and for, you know, six months. And then they calculated how much you would have made or lost if you invested a thousand dollars. That was the most I ever did with looking into investment and stocks and outside of obviously everything my dad taught me as a kid, because he's kind of good at this whole buying and selling thing. But that was the only thing they ever taught us when I, I felt the same way when I was getting a mortgage, I've been trading interest rates for a long time. I was baffled with the questions I was getting asked, <laughs> the experience of like, it shouldn't be that hard. I make this much money. I have this much money. Give me a loan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the hoops yeah. they make you jump through is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, I guess we could uh, kind of use this to segue into trading strategy guide. So um, you actually do education in these areas. So what made you decide to uh, start a site like that? Well, you know, it's a pretty interesting story along the lines also, because I was always investing in trading, but I was working at the same time, which I think is just a fantastic thing. I think everybody that is working really should be trading. As a matter of fact, uh, my daughter, who's uh, 20, I'm just right now, I'm actually forcing her to trade while she's working. I'm making her put $100. She doesn't make a lot, but I'm making her put $100 a month into her stock account and do research and buy a new stock each month. And she's really loving it. Um, but, uh, to get back to your point about how I got started teaching, uh, I was working and in 2008, there was a minor recession. Do you guys remember that? Oh yeah. I a little was, bit. Yeah. I recall. Yeah. So I was in construction and, uh, all the construction jobs died up. And so I couldn't find work and I was looking, looking, looking. And, uh, so I was like, well, you know what, I'm going to try this trading thing a little bit more. So I dove into trading. It was my hobby, but I was also very interested in computers. So I thought, you know what? Why not start a website? I started a website, started writing some articles, and uh, got got lucky. A couple of people picked up my content, and I started to get a lot of traffic. And uh, the rest is history. So with with that, where did this idea of kind of launching some sort of trading university come from? This I'm curious about. I have a lot of questions and I it's something that really intrigues me. 
Well, it kind of plays on the conversation that we just had because there's not a lot of stuff going on in school about this kind of thing. And so I've had a lot of discussions. I talk to traders all the time and I had talked to some of them and one person told me specifically that they wanted to be a trader even when they were young and they went to school. They went to four years of college and got a finance degree at a very prestigious university and they knew absolutely nothing about the markets when they got out a hundred some thousand dollars later. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of a, a gap that people who really want to learn about trading and the markets and not an economics degree because that's totally different. Economics is not trading. It's theory of economies. So it's a gap. And we thought, oh, you know what? A another reason why too is because I'm, I teach trading strategies. I have a lot of free content on my website and strategies and we do, we sell softwares and indicators too to help them trade. But I'm finding most of the people are, they buy the strategy, they get the access to the tools, but then they still have no idea what they're doing. So we're kind of like skipping some major steps uh, by just throwing them into the ring. And I'm just kind of noticing that across the board, there's like a very little entry level stuff to really build foundation. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about learning some of the things I've learned about how people learn. Uh, you know, when you start learning, you learn one step at a time. You won't learn one thing at a time. Just like when you're in school, you learn to write a letter like you learn the letter A and then you practice it right? You practice the letter A. You, it's teach and then do, you know, and you just keep going until you know the whole alphabet. And uh, that is a great way to teach. So we want to teach basic concepts and then do. And I was taught that that was called linear uh, education. But then once you get a foundation, once you have all of those things, then you have a truly uh, powerful base on which you can build and you can learn great concepts really quickly. Uh, so let me give you an example. A friend of mine learned, knows three different languages, and she was telling me that when she first learned how to learn speak Spanish, she would always have to translate the letters in her mind or the words. She'd say, okay, uh, hello, hola. You know, and every time a word is spoken, you have to translate it. But after practicing and practicing and doing it and doing it, eventually that stops and you just know. It just becomes something that you know. Right. And so really what I want to do is get it to where the education is so embedded that they just know what they're doing by building a, a process. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for the fact that especially people that are looking to get into trading, that the sort of school programs that you would think are good for that are not. I, I majored in economics and because initially I was trying to go into, you know, consulting or something like that. But the Great Recession, as we said, uh, was right when I was graduating, and there was obviously volatility. So, because I was a math guy, I got into trading, and I got the job, but I had no idea what it meant to be a professional trader. I had an idea that it was something you made money at, and it involved trading financial instruments. But being there, I learned that the framework and being able to build models is so much more important than knowing the actual products like finance is great if you're going into banking or something like that. But for trading, I would think things like uh, mathematics, statistics, physics, um, computer programming are so much more or even just I, I've said this before and Dan will probably cuss me out for this, but or playing professional <laughs> poker or something like that. Something <laughs> where you're 
dialed in to building models and managing risk, those are the things that are more important and harder to teach, honestly. If you have someone that can do that, they can teach you about the stuff you need to know about the instruments. But that's cool what you said. Yeah. And, you know, just to jump on that poker comment, the secret to poker is finding a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing and then play with those guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what the problem is? You can't do that in the markets. And I think why uh, people starting out have so much trouble is that it's one of the few skills out there where there's there's no junior varsity. There's no easy mode, right? If the second you start trading live, you are instantly playing in the pros. You're in the NBA going against LeBron. Your first trade, you're against Goldman Sachs. There's just no other way to do it. So it's important to, you know, get educated, get educated, <laughs> get educated. Right. Yeah. And then to get, like you said, models, models in a process, it's really important so that you can survive. And once you survive, then, then you get a chance, but the market loves to wipe people out. That's what the market loves to do. And I would encourage people that the idea of having frameworks or processes that expands beyond trading as just an incredible life skill to have. I think that the one common thing across all industries of people that are successful is they have different frameworks they use to help their performance. You know, they don't just wing ideas. They analyze them and think about, well, how am I going to treat this process and then focus on the process, not the results necessarily. Yeah, that's how I live. And it's always a work in progress, but I, I set up processes for my day. You know, okay, I'm getting up. I try to get up early. I try to have a set format of what I'm going to be doing, you know, journaling, thinking through my day, uh, a little bit of exercise, uh, and just have a format that I'm always trying to tweak and improve so that I can be the best person that I can be. Absolutely. I think one of the best things about teaching this as an actual curriculum is right now the steps to getting into this industry, just as you said, you get on an account, you have to learn what the market is. There's, you know, there's some great content out there, but there's no program that's going to teach you step by step. So you're jumping into the markets right away. If you can teach people from the beginning, first off, this is, we're not going to be Gordon Gecko. We're, we're, this is not Hollywood. We're not going to make billions and billions every single day and every single year. It's a slow process. And that's the key is everything is a process. If you focus on a process, you can educate people that the profits come, where instead, I think so many people, when they first jump into this, the first initial thought that they have is, all right, how much money can I make? You know, they're seeing the dollar signs and don't get me wrong. Each and every trade I put on, I'm thinking I, I, I it crosses my head. I go, Ooh, is this going to be the big one? Am I going to catch that huge obnoxious move um, that no one saw coming? And I go, probably not ignore this. And then I can focus on my process. And I think that's when the game starts to change for traders. So they start to focus on, okay, execution, risk management, money management. Okay. If I can focus on those, you know, small, simple things, forget where I think the market's going to go trade what this market's going to show me. And now I can just focus on that. And over time you start to watch that P and L and you're like, Holy cow, that looks pretty good. We're making some money. Yeah. And uh, it's sort of what we were talking about where the market is always the pros going against you. And other thing is, um, you know, 
if, if you're signing up for a brokerage account, you know, the barriers to entry are really low. It's almost a little bit, you know, you got to look at from their end. What's the first question, Dan, if, if I'm looking to open like an options account with you, you're, you're the broker. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the first question you're going to ask me? What's your social security number? <laughs> to find out. <laughs> Every little detail about how much money you have. Yes, and that make. is what I was going to get at. Their first question is, uh, do you have the money to pay us if we have to margin call you? It's not, are you good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is this going to be a mutually beneficial relationship? So I almost wish in some ways that there was that, you know, there's a lot of, if, if you're going to drive a car, you have to take driver's ed. Uh, because there's obviously physical danger there. But there's a lot of financial trouble that people can get into going into, you know, just throwing money into a brokerage account. And, um, you know, we've seen a lot of that, like P- Patak, Michael Patak, who's our boss, I think, you know, blew you up. Think? <laughs> I think. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean it like that. Yes, he's our boss. <laughs> he founded the company. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, uh, what, rolled through 100 grand worth of accounts? Yeah, before he even came to the prop firms, I think the story was... Um, he started stock trading and trading some options through a brokerage account, three different $30,000 accounts, washed those up pretty quickly. And uh, then was like, all right, I should probably learn how to do this now. <laughs> I will um, say I admire, I admire the tenacity to stick with it. I don't know if I would have been able to do that. I don't think so. Trading stocks, Casey, I blew out one $5,000 account in college, uh, buying the dip on a little company called Bear Stearns. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what dip? <laughs> right? Still waiting for that to come back, but yeah. uh, <laughs> just keep hanging on, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what has have, have you, do you interact with the people that um, that you're teaching or that are using your program at all? Uh, so, right now we teach strategies. The the university has not launched yet, but when we do launch it, it is going to be interactive. We're going to really focus in on, like I said, exercises activities and definitions. Cause another thing people get really hammered about is all the trader talk. Um, and people actually just repeat words and they don't even actually know what they mean. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I always mix them up. I usually say the wrong thing for the wrong thing. Like I call support and resist. Uh, For me, it's people. Yeah. Casey, I ran into the same problem. So I've been at top step for a little bit more than a year now. And, um, I had previously uh, traded treasury spreads at a prop shop and it was very, we were very disconnected from the retail outright trading. And when I came in, I felt very uncomfortable and out of my depths talking about any of the things that um, outright traders were looking at. It was just a different lingo. It's There's so many different ways to trade out there is nobody knows everything about everything. So, don't be afraid to say you don't know something. I guess even though I hid that until now. Uh, <laughs> you finally admit it after then you all learn. these years. Yeah. It finally comes out. Well, it has been. Well, just from like talking to Dan and Hogue and other people and doing my own research, it's all the same thing. You you might have had different, you know, being at the prop shop was kind of like being in a uh, like, you know, uncontacted people or something like that. We didn't interact. So we had our own names for everything or the own things we would say. And then, there's this common language that um, I'm starting to get 
really into. So, but I still mess it up. <laughs> well, it's funny. I think so many people, especially like the newer traders that get into this, they start to hear the lingo, then they start to use the lingo. And I don't think people totally know the lingo. And that's why I've always run with the mentality Barney style. Keep it simple, stupid. Like Jack, just like you back at my old firm, you know, we're like, all right, this is a two-star low. If I were to say the level I'm looking at right now is a two-star low, people go, what the hell is a two-star low? To me, it's, hey, we might actually find some support at this level. If not, look for reject, uh, look for continuation. Like I know the lingo, but my lingo is different too. So I, I ran into, I still run into that stuff these days. Like I think people want to use the lingo where at the end of the day, I think let's just keep it really simple and say, hey, this level down here, we're going to call it maybe a little bit of support or an inflection level. An let's area of importance. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to become a jargon monster. Sometimes right. you'll see these, these very long, intricate uh, uh, posts <laughs> just using. I, I move right to the next one. Right. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Well, that's uh, super cool. So have you built out a uh, glossary or something like that? Right. And each course is going to start with definitions and glossary and then go on to practical exercises. And you, I actually didn't even answer your question as if I was going to be um, interacting. I'm actually not going to be teaching. I'm responsible for planning the curriculum, but I'm not going to be teaching. Uh, but the instructors will be available for interaction. So you're like the the, the dean. dean or the, the headmaster over there. Yeah. The dean trader. Yeah. <laughs> you don't interact with the dean. He just shows up at uh, fundraising events. And, and I'll just tell you, this is very ironic for me because I literally have spent my entire life bashing school. I hated high school, barely made it through, didn't go to college, always thought it was a big waste of time. And so for me to do this is like <laughs> not what I was thinking I was going to do. I presume you had more problem with the format than the idea of uh, structured learning in general, well, right? I love learning. You know, learning is not my problem. It's being forced to go to a school that I didn't want to go to and learn about things I didn't want to learn about. And how is this going to help me in my life? Right. I think I, I got that mentality when I was uh, going off to college. My dad looks at me. I told him right away. I was like, I don't want to go to college. He says, no, you're going to college. Deal with it. And he tells me, he goes, he goes, I didn't want to go to college either, but I did it. And I took one thing away from college. And my dad's a trader. He traded for 30 years and at no point was he ever taught trading. Um, he said, I, I went to a human studies class and the teacher told me, taught me one thing about raising a family. He goes, it's been the most beneficial class I've ever taken in my entire life. And to this day, he says, look, that was the best thing I ever learned. He goes, I wish someone would have taught me how I was going to do my job instead of having to learn on the fly in the eighties in the trading pits of Chicago. But, um, it's, I think it's so awesome that you're going to have a, an educational system that people can come to. And when they walk away, there's no job interview they have to go to. They can start their profession that moment on their own. Hmm. See, on the other hand, I loved school uh, <laughs> because not one uh, of those and, guys. <laughs> no, it's it, it's because I love more because I think that I learned a whole lot more once I got out. But I find comfort in structured goals because I think it's a lot easier. Because one of the hardest parts about life, once you're doing your own career and stuff, is that you then have to make the own goals. Right. When you're in school, 
you're given exactly what you need to do to succeed at school. The biggest uh, change I think most people face once they get out of that sort of environment, unless you take you know certain jobs, I'm sure, kind of like that, where they're very structured through the ranks. But you have to figure out what you're going to do, create your own goals, and then create your own benchmarks of how you're going to achieve them. So that was a big, that, that was a huge transition for me. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, uh, Jack, because I have been working with people for a long time. And even in, in jobs, when I hire college students, some of the students really struggle with that. I'm like, okay, well, here we're going to work on creating some goals and accomplishing them. And these were great students, straight A students, you know, and they, they excelled in school. But then coming up with their own goals and their own strategies, they were really lost. And uh, that that's a really good point. Yeah. So uh, when is the university maybe scheduled to open up? We're going to be, we have a target date of six months. We're going to be recording all of the curriculum. We've been starting doing that now. That's exciting. I have to ask you a quick question because I know it's been, it, it, it's a question that I get asked a lot and we're going to kind of change bases here, but I'm bringing it back to military. Benefit or was it, was it a struggle to, because that's the big question I get. How much of the discipline from the Marine Corps do you bring into your trading? What did, what do you take from your time in the army and apply it to trading? And was, was it something difficult to piece together? Um, it's really pretty valuable. Uh, the training that I got in the military, I was uh, always very resistant. Remember I didn't like school, so I was <laughs> resistant to, which made my time, even though I love the military, my resistance to the structure and the, uh, the discipline made my time very difficult. Um, and that could be several stories in itself, but, uh, you know, I was always like, well, these guys aren't going to brainwash me. You know, look at all these, uh, yes, men brainwashed. You know, <laughs> like the Marines, you I know, like yes, the Marines. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Willingness and obedience to all orders. I, right. I do that too. Uh, whenever I can't do something, I feel like it's because of the yes men. And that's sort of, I'm not saying that's how you do it, but that's sort of my crutch. It's like, ah, oh, these people, what a bunch of posers. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was right. But the, the things that I did learn, I was really young. So I, there's, I didn't realize how much I literally didn't know about life. So now at least I know how much I don't know. But uh, the discipline was a huge factor for me. Even simple things like coming in and cleaning your room every day. I, my parents didn't make me clean my room, right? I didn't know how to do, you know, my parents were wonderful people. I love my parents, but they didn't make me do stuff like that. So like having to come in, it's like, who's this dude telling me to clean my room? Like, what? what is that? You know? This is my room, not your room. <laughs> right. So- but that stuck with me a long time and in my life. So now I have structure in my life. And then that is also carried in for trading. It's been very helpful. Do you think that that's something that made you seek out uh, joining the army? Uh, the main reason I joined the army was I started college and uh, I did it for about one or two semesters and I ran into recruiters and I knew that this was, this college thing wasn't going to last like I just couldn't hack it anymore. It was just so hard. So they had these big boards on the wall and I'm from the state of Oregon. And so they had these job applications for these Alaska fishermen to go out and do crab fishing. It's like, they say it's really dangerous, but the pay was really good. So I'm like, Hmm, maybe I'll be a crab fisherman. So I was <laughs> about ready to do that. And then when I ran into the recruiter in the hallway and he's like, come on. And then that was it. 
I had to get out of there. Chinese food got me. I was picking up my Chinese food. I walked out of the Chinese restaurant. I walked, walked past the Marine Corps recruiter. I was still in college and the guy came out and he's like, what are you looking at in here? It's like, those guns look kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know. Yeah. I, I guess trading is a way to uh, get some danger without the physical aspect of it in some ways. You know, here's my personality. My personality doesn't really fit with successful trading because why? Because I am naturally a risk taker. Like it's just built in. So I love if there's a line that you say don't cross – I love to cross that line, right? And so in trading, being a risk taker, it's, it, there's a big attraction, right? But at the same time, that strength of mine, I think being a risk taker is a strength, but that's, that's a very good strength, but it's also one of my greatest weaknesses in trading, right? Because I have made so many errors because of not wanting to manage my risk well. Um, it's been my biggest Achilles heel, uh, so it's a strength and a weakness, but I have learned through lots of pain, how to manage that. <laughs> yeah, pain is the uh, greatest educator in some ways. Which, and I think I would have to agree with you, think being a risk taker is a huge advantage. So many people come into this and they're afraid of risk. They're afraid to lose. They're afraid to, afraid to take that chance. And I'll see it a lot. When they're finally in the profits, they're willing to close off at $50, $100. And when the market goes against them, they don't want to, I think what I see a lot of traders doing is they don't want to accept the losses because once they accept it, they have accepted that risk. But as it goes against them, that human nature says, it's going to come back, just hold on. And it creates for a difficult time trading where I, as being a risk taker, you're going to say, hey, this one didn't work. Shut that one off. Let's find the next one. Yeah, it's that's, so much, so so much easier to let a loser run against you than to hold a winner. Human nature. It Human is. nature, man. It is, yeah. Yeah. Well, Casey, thank you so much for stopping by today. I mean, in the future, we'd love to have you back sometime. But I, I understand you have your own podcast as well, if you want to throw out that title. Uh, yeah, I have a podcast. It's called How to Trade It. And uh, it's available on my Trading Strategy Guides website. You can find it there. And um, I just talk to traders and I like to get their stories. I love stories, love hearing about what people went through and all the challenges because I want to motivate people. And I think stories stick with people. So I like to get their stories and then I like to talk about their strategies as well. And that's where the how to trade it comes in. Been really cool for me to meet a lot of good traders and it's pretty good content too. So you can definitely check it out. And if you don't mind, I also have another uh, resource I'd like to share. By all um, means. It's a newsletter that I run and it's called Finance and Markets. It's called, and you can get there, financeandmarkets.com. And it's not, I think it's unique. We talk about a growth stock once a week. It's only a weekly uh, newsletter, but I include, again, stories. So I like to motivate people. I think most of the news is negative. And so I'd like to get positive and encouraging stories about business, about traders, and mix it in. Uh, with a with a growth pick because I th I think that all we get is negative crappy news. No one's talking positive, except for John Krasinski. He made a change. He did something different. Some good news on YouTube. I highly recommend it. I'll check it out. Cool. Well, uh, by the way, that's a finance and markets. That's a great domain. When'd you get that bad boy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got it a couple years ago. Yeah. No, good for you. Well, uh, 
Casey Stubbs, thank you so much for stopping by the Limit Up uh, studio. Uh, just thanks, man. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks. It was yeah, great. Thank you very much. This was a great conversation. All right. We'll uh, give a few exit notes after the break. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to the Limit Up podcast, which, as always, is presented by Top Step Trader. Uh, today, we actually just introduced Top Step Trader. We're doing an international, let me get the naming right, because there is a certain organization that I wish not to be sued by. So let's put it this way. It's called the Top Step International Classic. And what it does is it pits 16 international equity indices that um, I lovingly picked out. I was able to find 16. Uh, we went down the list. We have Egypt in there, Colombia, uh, Chile. Good selections. Uh, good, good selection. So we have some, uh, you know, heavy hitters, you know, the U.S., the Nikkei, FTSE. I always loved, like, FTSE's a funny name for a stock exchange. <laughs> I laugh every time I see it or read it. I get a <laughs> chuckle, like, oh, we're playing FTSE under the table. You know, the DAX. But then uh, when I went down the list, I got into some stuff that I have never seen before. So it will be an interesting competition. Basically, it's sort of like a uh, market mania tournament we did where it's a bracket. If you fill out the bracket, you are entered to win one of 10 free first months in a trading combine. Uh, the sizes kind of play out by where you finish. First place gets the biggest. Third place gets a little less, but still a free month in the trading combine. And also, we're uh, offering a code with that that will get you 25% off any new trading combine if you uh, want to use that code. And if you want to enter, it's going to be fun. We'll have some uh, blogs updating it. And who doesn't want to know... If on some random day in July, the uh, Egyptian stock exchange doesn't beat, you know, the footsie, the footsie. <laughs> playing a little footsie. <laughs> so it's sort of like the World Cup. Um, and that's not the organization that I was worried about. So I'm cool with them. FIFA is, uh, you know, they have their own legal problems. So anyway, <laughs> that's what we're running. In the meantime, obviously, uh, markets are pretty volatile. So we'll be keeping our eye on that and have tons of new content coming out. Uh, Dan, it's almost the weekend. Yes, it is. I cannot wait. You doing anything fun? Pretty standard weekend for me. So long as the sun's shining, I'll be out on the boat with friends, having some cold beers and uh, just relaxing. How about you? Uh, that sounds lovely. I, uh, I'll have to come up there sometime. More than welcome. I got plenty of bedrooms. Okay, nice. I love that. Um, the weather is great here today, too. So I think I'm going to work the afternoon out on the back deck. And uh, since it's Thursday, everybody out there, have a wonderful weekend. Uh, stay safe. Hope you're making lots of hay in the markets. And if not, it's okay. So uh, we'll see you. In the meantime, namaste and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk. It is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.